Welcome to EM Guidewire, brought to you by the emergency medicine residents and faculty at Carolina's Medical Center in Charlotte, North Carolina. EM Cardiology by Dr. Littman. Welcome to this week's Cardiology Core Concepts for Emergency Medicine Physicians, brought to you by the EM Guidewire team from Carolina's Medical Center's EM Group. Today, we have a group of residents, so let's go around the table for quick introductions. I'm Katie Lupez. I'm Chris Gardner. And of course, the star of our show, Dr. Littman. Hello. Welcome back to the show, Dr. Littman. Thank you very much. This week's installment is brought to you by eyeglasses. Eyeglasses. The only thing that protects your face from the infectious phlegm that the toddler coughed at you from six inches away. Eyeglasses. Today we're going to be discussing wide complex tachycardias with rhythm strips. So let's get started, Dr. Lippmann. First, we'll be looking at monomorphic, non-sustained, wide complex tachycardia. So what's our differential diagnosis for these patients? So if you have a runoff monomorphic wide complex tachy, the differential diagnosis is SVT with apparency, like SVT with right bundle branch block, left bundle branch block, or ventricular pre-excitation. The second possibility is that it's VTAC or non-sustained VTAC. The third possibility that we should never forget about, that is artifact. And I would also add a fourth one. It's uncertain. I don't know. It's better to say I don't know than to give a wrong diagnosis. Okay, great. So now that we have our differential diagnosis, let's get into some simple rules in analyzing the runs of wide complex tachycardia. So what if the underlying rhythm is sinus? Then we are in business. If the underlying rhythm is sinus, you have to identify the first beat of the tachycardia and ask yourself the question, was the first beat a premature atrial complex, a PAC, and then the tachycardia is SVT? Or was the first beat of the tachycardia a PVC? And then the run is VTAC. So about that simple. All right, Chris. So if your first beat is a premature atrial complex, what do we think it is? So I'm going to go with SVT. Awesome. And if it's a premature ventricular complex, then it's? Probably VTAC. Awesome. So this all sounds well and great if we have the full rhythm strip and we can see that first beat initiating the wide complex tachycardia. But what if we don't have that, Dr. Lehman? That's a good question. Sometimes, usually we do, but sometimes we don't find the first bit of the tachycardia. Then you should look for two things. First of all, is there any suggestion of AV dissociation? If there's AV dissociation, and what it means that you have Kirst complexes and P waves that don't talk to each other, then it's definitely VTAC. We talked about that during analyzing 12 DD cases with wide complex tachy. In wide complex tachy, AV dissociation, 100% VTAC. Another even easier way to look at it, you try to identify P waves and Kirst complexes, and you just count them. If there are more Kirst complexes than P waves, it has to be VTAC. Three P waves cannot make eight Kirst complexes. So regardless of what we're doing, sounds like we got to spend our time and look for those P waves. How can we tell if the first beat is a PAC or a PVC? That's very good, and that's very important because that is at the core of diagnosis. So you identify the first beat and ask yourself the question, did I see an early, premature, and different P wave in front of it? It's not enough to see a P wave because the P wave can be sinus P wave that just coincides with initiation of the renal tachycardia. But take a caliper, and it's $7.99 on Amazon Prime. <laughs> and measure the sinus PP intervals and look at the events before the first beat of the tachycardia and find out if there was an early different P wave in front of it. If there was, you'll find it, then you know that the first beat was a PAC. 
if you did not find an early PVV front of the first white complex bead, then it had to be a PVC, so we're back in PTAC. Got it. So I'm going to whip my calipers out. I'm going to find those P waves, look for that funny looking P wave that doesn't line up with my intervals. And if that's the case, that's probably a PAC and this is SVT. Otherwise, we're looking at PVC and do a run of VTAC. Is that simple? Yes. Okay, Dr. Littman, let's look at some examples of this. Well, let's look at this first case. So here we clearly have two sinus complexes and then a run of white complex tachycardia. So the question is, was the first beat a PAC or a PVC? Identify the first beat, and clearly beat number three is the first beat. The next question, was it preceded by a premature P wave? You can see a P wave in front of it, but that's not premature and not different from the sinus P waves. So this was not a premature P wave, this was not a PAC, this was a PVC that happened to start after the P wave has been described. So you take a caliper, you measure out the sinus PP intervals and you find that the PP intervals are identical, but the PR suddenly became shorter, so the QRS had to be premature. So this was a PVC, this is a run of VTAC. So just because we have a P wave in front of that first abnormal beat doesn't mean that it's necessarily a PAC. We really have to look at those intervals and compare the morphology of those P waves. You're absolutely right. Also, if you look at the same strip, identify possible P waves during the run of tachycardia. If you do that, you'll find clear evidence of P waves because they are sharp, negative, different from the curse complexes. And if you count them, there are fewer P waves than curse complexes. So that's another absolute proof that this run had to be VTAC. Awesome. So this is an example of ventricular tachycardia starting with a preventricular complex. Is there any example of SVT? Let's look at the second example here. So here you have three sinus complexes, then a run of white complex tachy. It certainly looks like VTAC, but we don't know that. So how do we proceed? Identify the first beat, and the first abnormal different early beat is clearly beat number three. So the question is, is beat number three a PAC or a PVC? Search for premature P waves in front of it. How do you do that? You compare the ST segments of the sinus complexes and the ST segment of the sinus complex before the first beat, and you clearly see that there's a little triangle on the ST segment, I call it a little house on the prairie. That must have been a premature P wave, so the first beat was a PAC. This had to be a run of a supraventricular tachycardia, regardless that it looked like VTAC. We're looking at our rhythm strip. We're identifying our QRS segments, and we're looking at the P waves before it. If we're seeing a P wave that looks different before it, kind of like a little house on the prairie, then this may be a PAC, and then our run of wide complex tachycardia starts. This is more suggestive of supraventricular tachycardia. I would be stronger than that. I would say it's not more suggestive, it is SVT. Let's just be clear. If the first beat was a PAC, this was SVT. If the first beat was a PVC, this is VTAC. All right, so we walked through two examples now where we've got the first beat initiating the wide complex on the rhythm strip. And we talked before about what happens exactly if we don't have that first beat. So Dr. Littman, walk us through what we do here. Well, let's look at this next example. Here you have a run of tachycardia that ends with three sinus complexes, but we don't have the initiation. We only have the termination of the tachycardia. So here the previous rules don't apply. So what we have to do is either look for signs of AV dissociation or number of P waves compared to number of curse complexes. So how do you do that? P waves are sharp, T waves are broad-based. You're going to look at sharpness during the run of tachycardia. Again, you already bought your caliper for $7.99, so you're in business because you know what the sinus PP intervals are because the last three beats are sinus complexes. 
So you put your caliper at the sinus PP intervals and try to trace it back during the tachycardia. And what you will see that exactly the same caliper intervals, you see a sharpness in front of the last beat, then you see a sharpness, one, two, three, before the fourth beat from the back, and then you see a sharpness after the first beat, after the third beat, you will see that the PP intervals are same as the sinus PP intervals. You also count the number of P waves and Kears complexes. There are more Kears complexes than P waves. This had to be a run of VTAC. Gotcha. So we've got AV dissociation here throughout our run of wide complex tachycardia. Yes. And the number of P waves we have did not equal the number of QRS complexes we have. Exactly. And look how scary it is. During the run of tachycardia, the Kears morphology is almost identical to the sinus morphology. I would say that most people who would look at it would say it had to be SVT. And all of them would be wrong. Wow, well, we do love proving people wrong, so it's good to remember <laughs> that if we have AV dissociation with a wide complex tachycardia, that's ventricular tachycardia, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That's correct. So let's say we've got a run of wide complex tachycardia, and we have a one-to-one -one ratio of our P waves to QRS complexes. That's a very tricky situation. You know, you would think that if there's AV association, one-to-one PQRS relationship, that that proves SVT. But that's not always the case. What do you mean, Daryl If you have a one-to-one -one AV relationship, it's either atrial tachycardia with one-to-one -one AV conduction, but it could also be ventricular tachycardia with a one-to-one -one retrograde conduction. So you never know if these P waves initiated the QRS complexes or the QRS complexes initiated the P waves. The old chicken and the egg, huh? Right. So how can you tell? Well, again, you go back looking at the first beat. Here in this example, the first complex is a sinus complex, and then we have a run of white complex tachy. Was there a premature early P wave in front of the first beat? No, there was not. So this pretty much had to be VTAC. But then you see this little sharp stuff at the bottom of the ST segments in every complex, including after the RAS complex. So the first beat of the tachycardia was not preceded by a P wave, but the last beat of the tachycardia is followed by a P wave. So the P waves didn't make the Kers complexes, the Kers complexes made the P waves. So there's ventricular tachycardia with one-to-one -one retrograde conduction. So even if we're one-to-one, -one, we can't say that it's SVT. We've got to look for that retrograde conduction here. And in this example, you're showing us that last P wave is actually coming after our QRS complex. That's correct. Is there any way to have retrograde conduction that's not one-to-one? -one? Yes. First of all, not everybody has retrograde conduction. Probably two-thirds of individuals, two out of the three of us, has retrograde conduction. But during ventricular tachycardia, you can, you can have any type of retrograde conduction. You can have one-to-one -one retrograde conduction. You can have two-to-one retrograde block when every other QS complex is followed by a retrograde P wave. You can have retrograde Venkevac periodicity. You can have intermittent AV dissociation and occasional retrograde conduction. So you can have anything. Wow. Of course, if you have two-to-one retrograde conduction, you already have fewer P waves than QS complexes. You already know it's VTAC. Do you have any rhythm strip examples of this? Well, this rhythm strip shows, again, a run of white complex tachycardia. You have two sinus complexes, and then the run starts with a white Kears complex that is clearly not preceded by a P wave, so this had to be VTAC. And after the second or third beat of the tachycardia, you see P waves. Again, the first beat was not preceded. The last beat is followed by a P wave. This is VTAC with one-to-one -one retrograde conduction. When you look at the next example, here you have Kears complexes, and every other one is followed by a P wave. 
So this is a runoff ventricular tachycardia with two-to-one retrograde conduction. How do I know it's VTAC? Because a few are previous and curious complexes. It has to be VTAC. Okay, so now that we've addressed AV dissociation, PACs, PVCs, and retrograde P waves, let's talk about fusion complexes during wide complex tachycardia. What is a fusion beat? That's a good question. Fusion beat means that you have a combination morphology of the curious complex. You have a run of wide complex tachy, and then you have occasional beats whose curious complex is narrower than that of the wide complex tachycardia, but wider than the sinus complexes. So what does it mean? You probably or almost certainly have ventricular activation from two different sites. So you have a runoff VTAC, but during the AV dissociation, there's nothing wrong with AV conduction. You have AV dissociation because the atrial and ventricular complexes sort of hit each other in the AV node. But if a P wave happens to be in a position where the AV node is not refractory, it will go down and activate the ventricles or at least contribute to ventricular activation. So it will contribute to the curious morphology. So if you have a relatively early beat, this case is narrower than the curious complexes of white complex tachycardia. It had to be a partially conducted fusion beat, and fusion beat actually proves that the tachycardia is VTAC. Okay, so how does it prove that it's VTAC then? Very good. How can you have combination morphologies? You can only have combination morphology if you have ventricular activation from two different sites. Well, if ventricular activation from two different sites without an accessory pathway, only one can come from above, so the other had to come from below. One came from above the AV node, which is a sinus complex, and most others came from below the AV node, which means VTAC. So fusion complex during a regular wide complex tachycardia is 100% specific for ventricular tachycardia. Okay, so fusion complexes prove ventricular tachycardia. Essentially, what you have is activation from two sites. You have a complex that's not as wide as your wide complex tachycardia beat, but also not as narrow as your supraventricular beat. That's absolutely correct. And of course, it's nice to actually find a sinus P wave in front of the fusion complex, because then you know for sure that that P wave actually contributed to the ventricular activation. All right, so let's look at an example of a fusion beat. That's a great idea. We have to look at it. So clearly, you have a run of white complex tachy. The first two beats are sinus complexes. And the third beat appears to have a combination morphology. It's a little bit different from the sinus curious complexes, but clearly much narrower than during run of white complex tachycardia. Fusion complexes most commonly occur at the beginning of the white complex tachy because the run of VTAC happens to start after a P wave, and they can start whenever they want to. The first beat tends to become a fusion complex. Why? Because there's a P wave in front of the first one. So here, without the fusion complex, it would be almost impossible to tell if this is a run of VTAC or SVT. But the fact that the first beat of the tachycardia is a combination morphology proves that this is VTAC. These fusion beats usually occur at the beginning of these wide complex runs, but they really can occur anywhere, correct? You're absolutely correct. Let's look at the second example. Here again, you have three sinus complexes. The fourth one, the P wave morphology is identical to the sinus P waves. The PP intervals are the same, but you have a morphology that is a little bit different from the sinus, narrower than the white complex tachycardia beats, but a little bit wider than the sinus complexes. So this run again started with a fusion beat. This had to be VTAC. If you look at this next example, here you have white complex tachycardia, and you have two different beats, especially in the bottom strip, you can see that two complexes during the white complex tachycardia are certainly different and narrower. And what is very important to recognize that both of those are clearly preceded by a P wave. 
So these are again fusion complexes that happen to occur during the runoff white complex decay. You don't have the onset of the white complex decays, you're not quite certain what it is, but you found fusion beats, fusion complexes, 100% specific for VTAC. So fusion beats, they mean that this is ventricular tachycardia. They can happen at the beginning of the run of white complex tachycardia, or they can happen at any time. And that means that you're having conduction from two sites, so this is definitely ventricular tachycardia. Dr. Littman, I do know of a special population of people who may not have P waves. Are you guys talking about AFib? You're very smart. <laughs> so, there are a lot of patients who have AFib and who have runs of white complex tachy. And in AFib, everything we talked about so far does not work. Why? Because everything hangs on identifying P waves. Did you start with a premature P wave or not? Was there evidence of AV dissociation? How many P waves were there compared to QS complexes? In AFib, you don't have any of those. So we need different guidelines for patients who have underlying AFib and happen to have a run of white complex tachycardia. So with people having atrial fibrillation, what is the most common etiology of their white complex tachycardia? Again, you can have two causes of white complex tachy. Either during AFib, the rate sped up and the impulse is conducted with bundle branch block or other type of aberrancy, or you have baseline atrial fibrillation and a run of VTAC. No more SVT, because this is not sinus, right. but you could either have AFib with RVR or VT. That's correct. Okay, so P waves are out of the window here in the AFib patients. So Dr. Lippmann, what are your rules for identifying this wide complex tachycardia? It's beyond simple. I like simple. In atrial fibrillation, if you see a run of regular wide complex tachycardia, it's necessarily VTAC. And why is that? Well, in AFib, the AV node cannot conduct regularly. It conducts in a random fashion. If you have a white complex tachycardia that is regular, it could not have come from above the AV node. It had to come from below the AV node. So you have AFib, irregular regular rhythm, and you have a run of white complex tachycardia that is regular. It has to be VTAC. It's that simple. Maybe we can look at some examples? Yes, we should. So here you have a continuous rhythm strip. And it starts with a relatively narrow complex, irregularly irregular rhythm, no distinct P waves. This is AFib with RVR. It also shows irregularly irregular rhythm at the end of the bottom rhythm strip, so it's AFib with RVR. And in between, you see a run of wide complex tachycardia, and even if you take the sharpest caliper, it's perfectly regular. So you have AFib with RVR, and then a run of wide complex tachycardia, which is perfectly regular. It has to be VTAC, it's that simple. Ventricular tachycardia is regular. AFib is never regular. That's how we can tell the difference. That's exactly right. Let's look at another example. Here again, in the first half of the strip, you have clear evidence of AFib. You have irregularly irregular rhythm, no distinct P waves in front of the curious complexes. And then in the second half, you have a run of wide complex tachycardia that is much faster, perfectly regular. It has to be VTAC. All right, so now going back to our differential diagnosis, we've reviewed SVT with aberrancies, ventricular tachycardia, as well as our special circumstance with atrial fibrillation. Now let's get back to artifact. I assume this is pretty common. It is very common. Why is it common? Because we are talking about rhythm strips. Rhythm strips are recorded in patients who are in bed, in the hospital, have loose leads, they're wet, they're moving around, they're eating breakfast, they're coughing, they're doing things. So artifact is a very, very common. I would say, and I don't have data to prove that, out of all white complex tachycardia and telemetry strips, 
probably the most common cause is artifact. So we should always say that differential diagnosis white complex tech telemetry chips is SVT, VT, or artifact, and you should always actively think about that possibility. What are some of the times when we should be more suspicious for artifact? Right. And it's important to think about those conditions where we should be more suspicious. So I would consider artifact when the rate of the tachycard is excessive, like rate is 380 per minute. That's very uncommon in SVT or VTAC. The patient is asymptomatic during a long run of very fast tachycardia. Or, you know, we talked about trying to identify the first or last bit of the tachycardia. You're not quite sure. In all of the examples that we reviewed, it was absolutely certain which one's the first or the last bit. And here, it sort of gradually goes in because the artifact suddenly just appears. So if you're uncertain which was the first or the last bit of the tachycardia, you should also consider artifact. So sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, that's probably artifact. Let me silence this monitor. But that's probably not the right idea. Is there any way that I can say confirm that this was artifact? You have to confirm it. Just because you're suspicious, that doesn't mean it was necessary artifact. And it's pretty easy to confirm it if you think about it. Again, you take your 799 caliper and you put the spikes between two sinus complexes and then you try to find if the curious complexes march through the line of white complex tachycardia. If the sinus rhythm marches through the white complex tachy, obviously it had to be artifact. We've got an example down here. We can see where our white complex tachycardia starts, and we can start to march out our sinus complexes. I think this is a good example. So we have three sinus complexes, and I'm not sure what the fourth one is. Is that a sinus complex? Is that where the tachycardia started? I'm not quite sure where it ended. So I'm going to suspicious that this could be artifact. So you take the caliper, measure the sinus RR intervals, you see clear evidence of sharpness during the run of white complex tachycardia that perfectly correlates to the sinus curious complexes. So this had to be artifact. Here's another example where you have at least two sinus beats and then a beat is that sinus or was that the first beat of the tachycardia. You already suspect this is an artifact. I don't even think you need a caliper here. You see that there are narrow curious complexes hanging out above the apparent white complex tachycardia. So this had to be artifact. And you look at the handwriting of the nurse. This patient was having chest PT during the tachycardia. So chest PT can clearly mimic ventricular tachycardia. Makes sense. And then you were talking about the rate. Some rates are just unrealistic, and our heart can never attain a rate of 375. I mean, I can't say never. If you're in VFib, you can attain that rate. Torsat sprain doesn't go that fast, but almost that fast. But again, this rate of 375 is really, really excessive, especially if the patient is conscious. If this patient is conscious, it's almost certain not real. And then you again take your caliper and march through the intrinsic sinus complexes. And what is notable here that even the computer interpretation software recognized it because it said NNN, which is consistently normal beats. So clearly, this had to be a runoff artifact. So what about this next one here, Dr. Levin? This was interesting. We got consulted in the ED, had this quote-unquote run of VTAC, and the question was, well, we have to admit this patient because of VTAC, does this patient need an ICD, and so forth and so on. So it's very important to know if this is even real. So you have to think about it. Again, I'm not sure which is the first bit of the tachycardia. You know, the, after the third sinus complex, the T wave seems to be deeper, and that seem or does not seem to be a curious complex. You're suspicious. So I take a caliper, you will clearly see that the sharp intrinsic sinus curious complexes march through with identical caliper intervals, so it had to be artifact. Let's talk about notches sign. Sometimes you have 
run of white complex tachycardia during which you see what looks like black notches, like in this case. So again, you have a very, very fast rate for prolonged periods of time. First of all, if this patient is conscious, this is probably not real. This is a non-perfusing rhythm, and about seven seconds into a non-perfusing rhythm, most people pass out. So what you see here, what looks like black notches, and the question is, aren't these black notches the superimposition of the artifact and the intrinsic sinus squares complexes? So how can you tell what these notches are? You take the sinus RR intervals, which is on the left side on the top, and you measure those, and those appear to be about 12 millimeters apart. Keep the caliper at 12 millimeters apart and look at the notch-to-notch -notch interval. Are there 12 millimeters or simple multiples of 12? And if you do that, you will see that the notch-to-notch -notch interval is always exactly 12 or simple multiple of, so the notches are evidence of superimposed artifact and sinus squares complexes. This had to be artifact. You're telling me that if we're seeing these kind of notches and they're marching out, they're likely artifact. I think this is the right way to say. In the previous examples, you said this is definitely artifact because you could clearly see the science complexes march through. Here, you only have notches march through, so this is probably artifact, but you cannot be 100% sure. So what other tools do we have to determine whether or not this is artifact besides the EKG? That's very good. I mean, EKG in itself is very good, very useful, but many times patients have other physiologic parameters recorded. Are you saying EKG is not everything, Dr. Littman? <laughs> almost, almost. But why not use things that are already there? And I, sometimes we just ignore what we actually see. So many patients have either hemodynamic tracings, especially in the ICU, or at least pulse oximetry. If you have an art line, PA line, pulse ox line, and you have a run of white complex techie, I think you're in business. Can you give some examples of how you use those tools? Yes. If you have a run of white complex techie whose rate is very, very fast, and you have a simultaneous hemodynamic tracing like art line or pulse ox that shows a regular hemodynamic rhythm at 70, the white complex techie cannot be real. It has to be artifact. You cannot have pulsations at 70 with curious complexes at 375. And we tend to ignore that. In SVT, typically the art line or the pulse ox shows very stable, constant arterial pressures because you have one-to-one -one EV relationship. Ventricular atrial contribution to ventricular filling is always the same, so the art line will show a stable arterial pulsation. Whereas in VTAC, when in most of the cases you have AV dissociation, AV dissociation means that some ventricular beats will follow a P wave, which will have better ventricular filling, will have a higher art line, some others will have a lower art line. So if you have variable PA pressures, that suggests AV dissociation, that suggests VTAC. If we have a patient and they're hooked up to the monitor, they're likely also hooked up to a pulse ox. So we can look at their pulse oximetry reading and see how it's correlating with our rhythm to help us figure out whether this is artifact or a true arrhythmia. Additionally, some of our patients may already have arterial lines, and if their arterial line is reading a steady arterial pulsation, then this is consistent with artifact versus if there is unsteady pulsations, this is most likely consistent with SVT or VT. Right, right. So here, let's look at this example. You see a run of very, very fast white complex tachycardia. We're not quite sure which was the first beat, which is the last beat. There seem to be notches. You know, I'm suspicious for artifact. But this patient also had an art line. And during the art line tracing, there's an absolutely regular hemodynamic tracing. So this is not probably artifact. This had to be artifact. And we tend to ignore looking at it. How about this second example? 
you have very noisy tracing in the top strip, then a run of white complex tachycardia, so what is real and what is not real. You also have an art line simultaneously recorded. So you see at the beginning, the two thirds of the top strip, the art line shows a very steady, stable, regular rhythm. The dirt there, the fuzzy thing there had to be artifact. But during the white complex tachycardia, the arterial pressure suddenly drops. You have variable arterial pulsations. You know two things. Number one, this was a real run of tachycardia because the pressure dropped. And this is almost certainly VTAC, because the arterial pulsations had different amplitudes, variable amplitudes. So let's give a summary of kind of everything we talked about today. Chris, start me off low-key. Gotcha, Lupez. The first thing we want to do is identify which patient population we're talking about here. If these folks have P waves, they're going to make our job a little bit easier in terms of which rules we're going to use. If the first beat was a PAC, then this is definitely SVT. And if the first beat of that wide complex tachycardia was a PVC, we're looking at VTAC. Awesome. So another thing we can look at is the number of P waves we have. If we have fewer P waves than QRS complexes, what we're looking at here is VTAC. And then if we see a fusion complex, especially at the beginning of our tachycardia, this is VT. And then we talked about what if the intrinsic rhythm is AFib and we've just totally lost our P waves. They're gone. They're out the window. Is the, If we have any regular wide complex tachycardia, this is VTAC. Awesome. And if they're just going fast and it's irregular, that's AFib with RVR until proven otherwise. Scary things to look out for. Shocking somebody for just artifact. Yeah, let's not do that. Whoops. It happens. <laughs> So how can we figure out if this is artifact? So there's a couple signs we can look out for, but it sounds like we should always be considering artifact in the back of our heads whenever we're getting called about a weird rhythm strip. One of the first things we can look at, where does this start and stop? If we're really not sure, there's really not a great beginning and end to this, this run of wide complex tachycardia, you might want to consider this being artifact. Yeah, and if it's going super fast and they're conscious and looking at you, he's probably not beaten at 365. So there's other ways we can actually prove that this is artifact. Lupez, can you tell me about those? Black dark notches. If those <laughs> march all the way through, then this is artifact. And then these people are usually hooked up to pulse oxes or art lines, and that can really help us out. If the patient is hooked up to a pulse ox and your wide complex tachycardia does not march out with your pulse ox, this is artifact. If your patient has an arterial line and your arterial line is stable and is not marching out with your tachycardia, this is artifact. That's correct. Got it. So before I go shocking people or pushing drugs or calling for my cards consult, I'm going to take my rhythm strip and I'm going to look at what else is on there. So talking about patients, that's what we're here for. What is the clinical significance? Well, that's a very good question. Why did we talk about it that much? And unfortunately, most of the time, it does not have a lot of significance. So infrequent, brief runs of white complex tachycardia usually do not require workup or treatment, regardless if they are SVT or VTAC. I would always consider checking and correcting electrolytes. But if you have a few runs, like five-beat run, white complex tachy, is SVT or VT, we don't usually act on those. So most of the times, it's not very important. When are we really initiating therapy for this? So sometimes you should think about treating the patients. And I would say that there are four conditions where you should consider treatment. 
First, if the runs of white complex tachycardia are quite frequent, if the runs are quite prolonged, if the rate during a real non-artifactual white complex tachycardia is very fast, or if the patient is symptomatic during runs of white complex tachycardia. Well, if it's very fast, very long, patient is symptomatic, you probably have to treat it. If we do need to treat it, what are we going to do? Well, again, here, now it does matter if it's SVT or VTAC because the treatment is not identical. If you have long, frequent runs of SVT, consider beta blocker, consider non-dihydropyridine calcium channel blocker, which usually deltires them. We can use antiremic drug therapy, but for runs of white complex tachy, we rarely initiate amiodron flaconide. But also, very importantly, even if you don't treat it, you have to know that frequent runs of SVTs are risk factors for atrial fibrillation. So sometimes we just treat it to prevent impending AFib. Interesting. So if you're letting someone hang out in SVT, this actually may predispose them to having atrial fibrillation. So we may want to think about treating it earlier on to help prevent this. What about non-sustained ventricular tachycardia? Right. So if you have runs of ventricular tachycardia that are fast, long, symptomatic, first you may want to put a defibrillator at the bedside, hook up the patches just in case it degenerates into something bad. Here too, you should consider beta blocker if it is not contraindicated. We don't use beta blocker for treatment of ventricular tachycardia, but it can prevent episodes of ventricular tachycardia, especially if there is ischemia induced or catecholamine induced. Also consider giving amiodron in these cases if these are long, fast, symptomatic runs of VTAC. And also need to know that frequent runs of VTAC are risk factors for sustained VT or VF and are possible indications for ICD placement in the future. So what is the significance of treating artifacts? <laughs> so the significance is that we're treating something that is not real. I wonder though, how often does this actually happen? It's quite common. I would like to refer to a New England Journal of Medicine landmark article that was published in 1999. They found a series of patients who in hindsight had artifacts and underwent all sorts of unnecessary treatments including lidocaine, implantation of pacemaker, placement of ICD, I mean uh, this is really scary, precordial thump, shock, EP consults, all for nothing, all for artifact. You cannot say that I'm going to not miss it because it's very easy to miss it. Gotcha, so the first step is recognizing this artifact. And then once we recognize it, what are some things we can do to kind of prevent this from happening again in the future? You want to change the leads. I mean, if the patient has frequent artifacts, maybe lose lead, patient may be sweating. You may want to take off the leads, dry the skin, replace the electrodes maybe put a bandage on the limb leads or put the limb lead electrodes on the torso, and usually you can eliminate the artifacts. Well, thank you, Dr. Lippman, for coming in today and talking to us about wide complex tachycardias and showing us some examples with rhythm strips. It was a great teaching session. Great, great to talk to you guys. Thanks for listening to EM Guidewire. Go, be awesome today. Seems the out.